on today's show. Spencer Dinwiddie hits a game winner. Luka Doncic sets him up. The Dallas Mavericks finally find some trust in each other. And Atlanta falls to Charlotte in a play-in game preview plus. Was Marcus Smart dirty to Steph Curry? Nick Engstead, Andy Kamenetsky here. We'll break it all down on today's Locked On NBA. Let's go. You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome. You are Locked On to the NBA. My name is Nick Engstead, host of the Locked On Mavericks podcast. Thanks for making Locked On NBA your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube sometimes. (laughs) Most days we are on YouTube, but today we're having some technical difficulties. Me in Dallas, my power is still on, but my internet is out. Uh, but I am joined on Thursday today by uh, my savior today is Andy Kamenetsky <laughs> helping me out with the internet host of Lockdown Lakers. What you got for me, Andy? Look, man, I, I got a long background <laughs> in both radio and improv. I'm good with winging it. Man. <laughs> Let's go. Work. All right, everybody, somebody out there, name a place, name a <laughs> name a noun, name. What is it? Name a verb. <laughs> Well, it's very exciting. Ryan Stiles is sitting next to me. So this is Colin Mockery really is sitting show. next to me somehow. I don't know how they're in, how they're they're in different rooms, but here we are. <laughs> All right, on today's show, twelve games in the association, and man, there were some fascinating, great games. Starting with the first one, the Dallas Mavericks get the win, one hundred thirteen to one hundred eleven. This is the team that I cover, and man, Kyrie was out, Ben Simmons was out, Joe Harris was out, Seth Curry was out, Lamarcus Aldridge was out. Doesn't matter. The Mavs will still take this win and count it as a big one because Luka Doncic carried this team for a while. He had 37 points in the game. He was massive. He seemed to be the only player, really, that could get anything going offensively for the Mavs. But then on the defensive end, they were doubling Kevin Durant. They were holding him. They were trying to hold him back from anything that he could possibly do. He was trying to make the other Nets players beat them. And then at the very end, the Mavs go on this little little run. Spencer Dinwiddie gets the game-winning shot, hits it over Goran Dragic, and, uh, which is a little poetic, a little poetic. Dinwiddie hitting it over, first of all, his former team, and then over the other Slovenian that should have been a Dallas Maverick if everything had gone the way we thought it would at the beginning of the season. But the Dallas Mavericks get this win over the Brooklyn Nets. Andy, from an outside perspective, what do you think about this Mavericks team now that they're playing this different style post-Porzingis? I was going to say, it's really interesting to see how well they've been succeeding because there had been a school of thought that, all right, you get off Porzingis, get off that contract. It had not been working, and you might have to take a step back in order to just figure out what your identity is, and it clearly did not involve uh, Porzingis. But Dinwiddie, in particular, finding this spot that works, and he had this success tonight, it got me thinking about how sometimes guys just have to be in the right place to truly be the best version of themselves. And like a couple guys popped to mind that may not be perfect examples, but like Reggie Jackson with the Clippers, like he has clearly found a spot that works for him. Like I think as much emotionally as the basketball or like Jimmy Butler in Miami, he had obviously been a top end player with Chicago and Minnesota and Philadelphia but Miami is the spot for Jimmy Butler to really feel comfortable being Jimmy Butler. And Spencer Dinwiddie, you know, he's he's a dude with his own personality and his own probably creature comforts. And he seemed genuinely hurt that he had been painted as a bad locker room guy with the Wizards. So 
there there could be something to him finding success here that goes beyond just the schemes and playing with Luca. It was massive for him to hit, to hit a shot like that, to feel like he's in a spot where he finally belongs because you mentioned it. He talked about, you know, being in Washington and how he was painted as this guy that wasn't a good teammate. Uh, you know, he even mentioned that specifically, but when he hit that shot, he said he turned around. Obviously, he saw Luca first because Luca just like mauled him. Imagine like 6'8, 200 pounds, like Luca Doncic running at you and just jumping into your arms. And then he said he looked over and saw on the sidelines, he saw Nico Harrison, the Mavs president of basketball operations, and he saw Michael Finley, former Maverick, Spur, all that, and also vice president of basketball operations for the Mavs. He ran over to them. You could see this in the video. I tweeted it out at Nick Van Exit. You can see him go over there and kind of like point at Nico Harrison and shake, you know, Michael Finley's hand said, thank you. Thank you. And then some expletives that I cannot say on Lockdown NBA because we're brand safe. But he said, thank you for taking a chance on me for making this trade. And that was a really big deal to him post game. And he, you know, went and said, you know, thank you to those guys like right in the moment, which was which was crazy. He's been such a big difference for this Mavs team. They have another guy that can handle the ball. They have another guy that can. Uh, can light it up when when Brunson gets held to uh, you know by length, which has been a big problem for him. If those three point shooters aren't shooting well, like Bullock was out in this game, Dorian didn't really take a lot of shots. Maxi can't hit the broad side of the barn right now, and so you have another option. Dinwiddie has been huge for them. Yeah, I mean it's it's just interesting to see it working much quicker than anybody expected. Some people weren't even sure it worked. It was just or that it would work. It's just worth getting off Porzingis and then just trying to figure out what to do next. So, you know, this this has been a good, like a progressively really good season for Dallas. It has been. And Jason Kidd has done a good job. He should get some credit for it. We've been trying to give him credit on Lockdown Mavs. Uh, on the net side of things, Kevin Durant had some comments about being doubled. I, I don't know if I would go as far as to say it was Devin Booker in in like, you know, the offseason run talking about doubles but he was like man you guys are selling out your defense Jason Kidd he said he told Jason Kidd during the game you're paying this guy Dorian Finney-Smith you just gave him that extension gave him all that money and you're just selling out to stop me and you're like yeah man that's the way that it goes you're the superstar no Kyrie in this game and my question is why isn't he focusing any of that attention on Kyrie who could very easily have played in this game well look Kevin Durant's on that show, The Boardroom, but he's not an actual GM. Like, what what the Mavericks do with their money is, is frankly, none of his damn business. Like, if if in this particular matchup, they want to pay Dorian Finney-Smith to do nothing, that's Mark Cuban's deal. Like, that that's not Kevin Durant's deal. Like, I, I'm sure Jason Kidd appreciated the feedback. You know, like a, you know, like a better way to get more bang for your buck with Dorian Finney and Smith. But, I mean... The, the hell do they care? <laughs> By the way, he also didn't do nothing. I want to be clear. In the fourth quarter, they did not just sell out completely, and Kevin Durant was held to three of eight from the field. So it wasn't in. It was mostly Dorian and him one on one. But uh, for the for the Nets though, Ben Simmons uh, earlier in uh, in Orlando got an epidural shot in his back while the Nets were mm. in Orlando in hopes that they would you know help him improve his back pain and allow him to do more stuff and get moving. Uh, that does not sound like a player that is on his way back. No, pun, it Pun no. very much not intended on that one, by the way. <laughs> no, it doesn't. But what I think is really interesting about it, beyond just the whole when is he going to be back and can they even implement him into what they're doing right before a playoff series begins, is if nothing else, it erases the idea that he had been 
sandbagging for a while or you know putting off his return because he needed to justify the time that he had been out because of you know the issues he has with Philadelphia and you know back money that he reportedly wants and all you know all that stuff this is you don't get an epidural shot as like part of a of a of a scam you know what I mean? Like that, that's really taken this thing very many far. pregnant women may disagree with you. Yeah, I, I, I can tell you right now, as somebody who witnessed the birth of my daughter and everything my wife had to deal with her, like that's not something you do for funsies. Yeah, no. Yeah, that's when you definitely need it. That's when, that's when you do that. So if nothing, if nothing else, maybe it garners a little bit more sympathy for his health than Ben Simmons has had uh, over the course of this season. Oh, it did for me. I immediately saw that and said, oh, man, this guy is not faking it because he didn't want to play in Philadelphia in that right. Nets Sixers game. Um, moving on to maybe the most other the other interesting game of the night, uh, a play in preview. We don't get these very often where you're like, OK, this game may happen in about a month and it may mean more. But the Atlanta Hawks versus the Charlotte Hornets, Charlotte wins 116 to 106. It wasn't. It, the score is, you know, the Charlotte wins by 10, but it was way closer than that earlier in this game. Trey Young struggled a lot in this game, but P.J. Washington is kind of the story for the Charlotte Hornets. 13 points in the fourth quarter. He scored all of them from the four-minute mark to the one-minute 30 mark in the fourth quarter. It was a crazy run by him. Uh, No John Collins for the Hawks, but no Gordon Hayward for the Hornets. And do we think this is the way this game is going to go when they play it again in about a month? It could very well be. Uh Atlanta is a really interesting reminder, Nick, that the proverbial window for a team, like the opportunity that they have for contention can be really weird to predict and read. Like Atlanta last season seemed like they were set up to be this big time riser and they've taken a pretty big step backwards and it's not injuries. Like, you know, with their important players, other than DeAndre Hunter, they've been fairly healthy. Like they've been reasonably available and it just has not clicked the way it did last year and then you look at a team like charlotte that is progressing in the direction that you want but you know they're they're still hovering 500 ish which is good over the last couple years they are again moving in the right direction but how do you figure out what their window is and you know and i think if nothing else atlanta is just this reminder and if this ends up a play-in preview which would be massively disappointing for the Hawks considering what their expectations were heading into this season it's that you just never know and if you feel like you've got something good you got to maximize it as much as you can in that moment because this stuff can be fleeting man and to me this is all on Trey right like you can't go into a game like this a game that you need a game against a team that you're going to need the like these wins under your belt going into a play and saying okay We've beat this team before. We know what we can do against this team. And for Trey Young to go out there and struggle the way he, that he did. Now, the Hornets did a good job of you know trying to keep the ball out of his hands. They were really physical with him, like really early. Uh, but that's the way everybody. That's the way everybody gets. All, every star gets played, right? You look at that Dallas Brooklyn game. Durant was complaining about how he got doubled before every you know every play. Luca got the exact same thing and didn't say anything about it and turned in 37 points of his own. For Trey Young, you got to find different ways to be able to score. And, you know, his size and things kind of it holds him back from being able to do some of those things. And uh, I think that's what's holding back this Hawks team right now. Well, I mean, to be fair to Trey Young, um, over the course of March, including this game, he only has two 
where he scored less than 25 points. And the previous two games he had heading into this one, he put up 46 and 47. So on balance, I'd say he's (laughs) chipping in a little bit. It's not he's doing nothing. Yeah, but yeah, he's he's no Dorian Finney-Smith. Okay, okay. (laughs) That's that's just what the uh, the faux GM of the Mavericks says. (laughs) That's what you're just you're just sold out to the boardroom, is what you are. (laughs) Unfortunately, they weren't inviting me on anyway. I'm totally available. I'll go on. I'll do it. I'll say nice things about the net. (laughs) Coming up, was Marcus Smart dirty? Did he pull a Patrick Beverly against Steph Curry in the Warriors' loss to the the uh, the uh, Boston Celtics? And what is up with the Chicago Bulls in playing against good teams? Let's talk about that and more coming up. But Andy, tell us about the best thing you can do for your body in 60 seconds. Well, it would be take athletic greens. And I'm somebody who started doing that because I'm always looking for different ways to improve my health, whether you're talking about vitamins or getting my immune system better, better digestion. But the problem is like, I don't have time to do all that stuff separately. I need to do it in one shot. And Athletic Greens is perfect for that. Every morning, wake up, get my scoop of Athletic Greens, mix it up with some cold water, and boom, 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food-sourced superfoods, probiotics, adaptogens. I didn't even know that was a thing until Athletic (laughs) Greens came around. That's how you start your day. Athletic Greens, they were created because the founder was experiencing gut health issues, and he ended up on this uh, complicated supplement routine and it cost him like a hundred bucks a day and he figured there's got to be a better way to do it and turns out yeah there was because this one costs less than three bucks a month and athletic greens works for every lifestyle whether you're talking keto paleo vegan gluten-free dairy-free it's less than a gram of sugar no gmos no bizarre ugly nasty chemicals got a nice little tropical chocolate hint to it which so it tastes good Mm. and to make it easy athletic greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune supporting vitamin D, and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com backslash NBA network. Again, athleticgreens.com slash NBA network. Take ownership over your health. Pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Thanks for making Locked On NBA your first listen. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Now podcast, nightly recaps of every NBA game with analysis from your local experts, including us. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Andy. Let's get into the rest of these games. We have the Boston Celtics won 110 to 88 against the Golden State Warriors. That Celtics team is absolutely rolling right now besides the game against the Mavericks the other day. Um, But the big story from this one is in the the second quarter, about four minutes left, there's a loose ball. Marcus Martin dove on it. Curry didn't go for the full-out dive. He kind of tried to do it standing up still, and that seemed to be a big mistake because Marcus Martin fell on his foot. Curry was trying to get up after the play and was limping tried to limp down the court and even when he first got up he didn't he didn't realize that the foot was hurting until he started to try to walk on it and uh he didn't end up playing the rest of the game he didn't return he only played 13 total minutes in the game and then on that same play so Marcus Smart falls on Curry's foot and then on the other end Marcus Smart catches back up with the play Draymond and Clay are bouncing the ball around making a little bit probably an extra pass too many and Marcus Smart (laughs) as Clay is getting fouled Marcus Mark kind of grabs Clay, almost pulls him down, and then kicks Clay like in the shoulder head kind of area. Steve Kerr was furious about this. I have not seen Steve Kerr like this very often. Out on the court, yelling at Marcus Smart, pointing in his face right after that sequence. Andy, was it a dirty play from Marcus Smart? Um, half of it. 
I think was a dirty play. The 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 sequence with Steph where he rolled his ankle, that was just unfortunate. Like I've seen much worse in terms of going after a loose ball result in no injury whatsoever. Like it reminded me of when Solomon Hill uh last year crashed into LeBron's leg going after a loose ball mm. and sideline LeBron for a little while. Definitely affected him in the playoffs. Solomon Hill didn't do anything, in my opinion, dirty there or out of pocket. Like, especially a guy like him, that's how he stays in the league is doing that sort of stuff. It's just, it's unfortunate when it happens. The kick to Clay, though, Nick, that was, to put it mildly, out of pocket. <laughs> like, you don't do that. It reminded me a lot, frankly, of the antics Draymond used to pull. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, he didn't kick him. Like, he didn't kick him between the legs. He kicked him ab- above his head with his legs. Like, his- but yeah, I mean that that was absolutely egregious. That is something I expect the league to take a look at. I expect they're not going to like what they see. Yeah, th- this whole play, I agree with you about that. He do- he just dove on the ball. Like it just so happened that the ball was right next to Curry's foot. And he- I mean, if anybody has played with the basketball, it bounces and moves around, and like it would, it's such a bad timing that it was right there on his foot when he dove. And so, and he, he like immediately just grabs the ball. It's not like he grabs his leg and pulls and yanks or like the uh, the Kelly Olynyk Kevin Love play from a while ago, right? Like it wasn't any yanking like that. But uh, yeah, so that part wasn't. But the kicking and the the legs just flailing over his head was was a little too much. It stinks that that's going to be the thing people like us talk about instead of how good this Celtics team is playing. Now Curry didn't play the rest of this game. Draymond's still on minutes restriction. He's coming back. Clay has still not been exactly who he is, but. Um, to get this win and the, with the resounding fashion they did, like this Celtics team is real dangerous. Marcus Smart had an incredible game himself outside of his antics. Yeah, and they they are really generating a lot of confidence. Like you you can tell that they feel like something has clicked. And you know, for a long time, you, the the questions of do you split up Jason Tatum and uh, Jalen uh, Jalen Brown started going beyond just like how do they actually fit can you get the most out of them you started wondering do they actually enjoy playing together like is it is this something that the two of them want to be doing and yeah, that's always the next step forward? right that's the right it, yeah yeah and it, it's it seemed like they finally figured out some type of formula that really clicks for them they they you know probably took a little bit of while for Ime Adoka to really get the pulse of this team in his first head coaching gig and you know a guy like Derek White is perfect for what they want to do defensively but also too you know being a lubricant between uh Jalen and, and Jason just like another guy who can help set up both without having to worry about his own shots they're a good team i mean you know defensively they are absolutely a nightmare right now oh it, it is so hard as we i just saw them close up against the the Mavericks and to have Robert Williams back there and Al Horford, like they can give you so many looks. They have the two wings in Tatum and Brown that are both like way plus defenders, like above average defenders. Marcus Smart, obviously. Derek White is like not a guy that you can take advantage of and like post up unless you're Luca, you know? (laughs) And then then, um, obviously you have uh, like, you know, Rob Williams and Horford back there. They can give you big looks. They can give you smaller looks. They can give you small ball looks. They can give you a ton of wings at once. Like, this is a team that can do a lot of different things. And if Jason Tatum is shooting the way that he is, it's hard. It's going to be hard to beat this team. And it's wild to think about where they were at the beginning of the season when they were what? Like, I think they were 14 and 15, something like that. Uh, I remember talking to John Corrales, and he was just like, 
yeah, I don't know. This team is just, you know, it is what it is. And he would like sigh as he was speaking and now talking to him. I mean, he is just, uh, you know, glowingly speaking about how well this team is playing right now. Nobody else covers the, the Celtics better than Corrales. So go listen to Locked on Celtics if you want more about them. Uh, on the Warriors side, you just hope that, that Curry is okay. Uh, Moses Moody also sustained an injury in this one too. So that's going to be tough for them. Um, but yeah, go check out Lockdown Warriors for more on the Warriors. Um, the Philadelphia uh, 76ers versus the Cleveland Cavaliers the next game. Philly wins 118 to 114. Jared Allen missed this game for the Cavs, and uh, it definitely showed in this one. Yeah, you, you really miss not ha- like Joel Embiid is going to go off. Like Jared Allen isn't going to stop him per se, but he can make Embiid work harder. Like not just for his points, but occupying him on the offensive end, especially like that combo of of Allen and and Mobley. Yeah, and you know he's a really springy player, very energetic. He's not exactly Embiid's tempo on the court, and he he can just he can just take more energy out of Embiid, even if he's not going to contain Embiid because this season nobody's been able to contain Embiid. No. But a, a four point game. You do wonder if Jared Allen could have been the difference in this. This game also, too, though, Nick, was a reminder to me. Uh, Tyrese Maxey, he he put up 25 in this game. Since the All-Star break, he's averaging about 19 points a game on 55% from the field, 49% from behind the arc. Like There have been some questions about whether or not the addition of James Harden would get in the way of the leap that he had been taking this season, how it's going to affect him. So far, the answer is not a bit. He, he's just he's been fantastic. I don't know if anyone in the league is happier about having now like this maybe the second or third best defender on a team assigned in the Tyrese Maxine now after that trade, right? Like you look at some of these and we're we're dealing with it in Dallas with Jalen Brunson. Like he had jumped into this big role and it's sort of similar in the same way that Maxi did. He jumps up into this role, you start seeing, wow, he's playing really well. He's kind of that second guy some nights. And then all of a sudden you bring in this other guy and, you know, these are not comparable at this point, but Dinwiddie and Harden where they take over that secondary role. And Brunson has struggled a little bit in times, but Maxi has just, I mean, he's excelled in some of these moments when, you know, Harden is off the floor, he can take over. When Harden is on the floor, he can play off of him. The issue for me is, is going to be, okay, how do those two guys defend together in the playoffs, especially against some of these teams that they're going to play against? That's going to be really fascinating to see how the Sixers team decides to defend. Uh, all right, coming up, we got so many games to get to. The uh, Chicago Bulls just cannot beat good teams. They just have this big problem. And then the team that you cover just cannot beat teams. We'll talk about the Lakers, talk about the Bulls and the Jazz <sighs> coming up. But before we do, Andy, tell me about Bet Online. Well, it's that time of year again, Nick. College basketball's tournament is finally upon us. And for all the latest odds, contests, and player props, BetOnline.net is the Number one source for all your sports betting needs and info. Bet online remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. Bet online is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. So head to the website today or use your mobile device. Learn more about the trends in action. Bet online where the games start. Oh, bet online. All right, Andy, let's continue talking about all the games of the association. We're going to play Count It Up in a little bit. Have some fun playing that game. But before we do, the Charlotte, the, I keep saying the Charlotte Bulls, the, the Chicago Bulls. The Chicago Bulls lose 125 to 110 against the Utah Jazz. Uh, Boyan Bogdanovich was out this game. Lonzo Ball still out. Patrick Williams still out for the Bulls. 
Donovan Mitchell, though, took over in this game. 25 points in the third quarter. The most points he's ever scored in a quarter. That is via our uh, our stats and info, a.k.a. David Locke. <laughs> seven, threes, <laughs> seven threes in the third quarter for Donovan Mitchell. He just lit it up from that end. And, uh, and you know, the, the Jazz pulled out to a big lead. The fourth quarter, the Bulls kind of came back. They had a comeback. They were within four in the fourth quarter. And Nikhil Alexander-Walker was the guy that was sort of the release valve for the Jazz because Donovan Mitchell was getting doubled. He would kick over to Nikhil Alexander-Walker. He hit three threes in the fourth quarter, and the Jazz end up with the 15-point win. The Bulls, so the Jazz have been playing, you know, playing decently well now with both their guys healthy. Donovan Mitchell is doing his thing. I feel like people talk about the Jazz a lot. The This Bulls team, though, they're now 20-20 and 20 against teams with winning records. What is it about this Bulls team that just cannot beat you know, teams with winning records right now. Well, I mean, I, I think, first of all, they're not totally healthy, and that, that makes a big difference. You know, Lonzo's yeah, a Your boy really, Lonzo's out. Yeah, he, and he's a really important part of what they do. They would had Alex Caruso out for a while, and Caruso, if he were a starter, Caruso would get more uh, conversation in terms of, like, all-defense team. Like, he, sure. he's really – he's at that level of the defender. I mean, as a, as a somebody who covers the Lakers, I saw how good – he is and still find it inexplicable that the Lakers wouldn't pay to keep him. But you, you also wonder, too, with the Bulls, if there's an element of now the league has an idea of what they look like and how they play. Because they were such a new team to begin this season that it probably took the league a little while to figure out exactly who they are because the Bulls were figuring out who they were. And they just got off to a really strong start during that figuring out process. So I, I wonder if beyond guys who haven't been available, there's just an element of, okay, we, we have a better idea of who this team is and how to actually go about attacking them. There, it's almost like that rookie quarterback, right? Where in, in yeah. the NFL, you only have 16 games. So it sometimes it takes that next season until RG3 just gets completely taken out of his game because you, just, you figured out what they're trying to do, what the, uh, you know, the Washington team is trying to do. Um, but in this game specifically, it was kind of Rudy Gobert that just kept DeMar DeRozan, who has been the key to this team's success. He kind of kept him from doing what he wanted to do because Rudy Gobert can guard DeMar DeRozan in the things that he wants to do. Not many guys can keep up with DeRozan in the, you know, step back, fade away, like two-point jumper kind of things. But if Rudy Gobert can step up on him and can contest those shots, like he only took four shots in the fourth quarter. And two of them were against Rudy Gobert. Gobert blocked one of them at the rim, and then he contested one where he had to lean back way farther than he wanted to and couldn't get it to go. And then the other two he made against other other guys and kind of the end of it. Um, but I, I felt like it was that, that if, he's ta- if DeMar DeRozan is taken out of the game in some way, then all of a sudden you're like, okay, Zach Levine, this is now a winning team. You have not been on many winning teams in the NBA. Go ahead and do something. And uh, that's a tall order. Well, I mean, if you take... DeRozan out of the game, you know, relatively speaking, he was he was efficient in his scoring, but he he didn't go off. Yeah, and in the and, fourth quarter, he didn't at all. Right, and you don't have Lonzo in this game. Then you start looking at this team. They're basically last year's Bulls. You know what I mean? Like if, yeah, if DeRozan isn't DeRozan and you don't have Lonzo at all, then they're kind of similar to what they were last year, which was a team that everybody was wondering, how do you get him to take the next step? You know, like was it worth it for them to make that big deal for Vucevic in the first place like do they have the foundation to to pay that off so so it makes sense 
And my answer to that is still yes. <laughs> it's still very, <laughs> still very much worth it. They took the step forward. They're not a bad team by any stretch. It's just it stinks to see this team struggle against these good teams like this because it makes you wonder how they're actually going to play in a first round series. And the bottom teams and the the quote unquote bottom you can't see me on YouTube right now because we're not we're not on it. But the quote unquote bottom teams in the Eastern Conference playoffs are all going to be really good that, the, that this team is going to play against. East is really good this year. I mean, it's been a long time, but the East is legitimately competitive. Uh, moving on to the next game, the Minnesota Timberwolves win 124 to 104 against the Los Angeles Lakers. Is, was it the big? Is it fair enough to call it the big story in this game? Was Carl Anthony Towns <laughs> receiving a rebound of Russell Westbrook airballed three and trying to find the wind from the ball? The you know, I mean, it's actually that is one piece of the large of a large story in this game was just how much Minnesota was trash talking during this game. Like at one point, you had Patrick Beverly literally holding his nose while looking at the <laughs> Lakers, which is just straight up disrespect and you know the the answers to that when the Lakers and Frank Vogel were asked about it after the game because you know there was a lot of talking going on I don't know for a fact that he was talking but you know Anthony Edwards is a talker in general I think he's more of like a cheery talker but he does it you know D'Angelo Russell's a He's a confident guy, and I'm sure there's a little extra sauce for him playing against his old team. I feel like Anthony Edwards, like tra- trash talk, would be like analogies, like <laughs> like I'm beating you like butter on bread. You know, <laughs> I feel like yeah. he would just like <laughs> exactly. But um, you know, uh, LeBron was asked about it. He just said that's part of the game. Russell Westbrook brushed it off, saying he didn't really even hear it at all, and that those guys in the okay. league. They haven't done enough to, you know, really be talking in the first place. And I'm sure like 97% of that is directed at Patrick Beverly because he does not like Patrick Beverly. That's very well established. Oh, yeah. Wayne Ellington talked about how, you know, this is, as he said, a front runner league. And if you're doing really well, the rest of the league will notice that and they will respect it. But when you are down, you will, uh, uh, you'll get that boot on your neck and people you know, players around the league, they love to beat the Lakers like that. I can tell you yep. right now, that is not a fake narrative. That is real. I've covered this team for a long time. You you get teams geeked up to beat you. And, you know, with this roster right now, with LeBron and Russ and Melo and all these other, you know, all-time greats, regardless of what stage they're at in their career, players still love going at them. And, you know, there there's some extra going on there. And then Frank Vogel was asked about it and just said no comment. <laughs> which no comment is basically a comment hold on did you say wayne ellington was one of the players that talked after after the game how many players did the lakers have talk uh let's see they had lebron they had russ they had wayne ellington and <laughs> i think that there was your th- well look tht got hurt during this game uh which is unfortunate Just... but but he wasn't going to be there Melo is pretty good about talking every game and he's a fantastic talker they I should bet. always bring him out you know, everybody else, like, no disrespect. I'm happy that he he found a team for the rest of the year. But, like, nobody's clamoring to hear from, you know, Wenyan Gabriel. You know, Malik Fair. Monk, I think, talked after last game. You know, <laughs> this, this, this is where we're at, man. When you're playing a skeleton crew, at least a, mem- at least a skeleton is going to do the interview. <laughs> Oh man, that's where we that's where we end there. There's no Lakers. There's no more Lakers talk on this show. Um, the Minnesota Timberwolves are doing great stuff. They're playing. They're playing really well right now. That team is. Uh, they're a fun team. They're a super fun, fun team. They have you know all that young talent. And they have. A, I feel like they have more of an identity a little bit. 
Uh, Chris Finch doing a good job over there. All right. Well, they have an identity that was more than they had before. <laughs> True. Yep. <laughs> All right. Let's move on to our favorite game every Thursday. It's Counted Up, where we find the most interesting, fun things about the rest of the games in the NBA Association. Let's play Counted Up. Counted Up. Counted Up. Counted Up. Counted Up. All right, Andy. First game Milwaukee versus Sacramento. The game was tied with a minute 40 left, 126 to 126. The game ends. The Bucks win 135 to 126. They go on a 9-0 run in the last one minute and 40 seconds. This Bucks team is still really good when they have Giannis, Drew Holiday, and Middleton. It kind of doesn't really matter who else is there, even though Brooke Lopez is ramping back up. But I feel like we're sleeping on this Bucks team just a little bit. Rank- well, it's Milwaukee, and they don't have a lot of big personnel. As much as everybody loves and respects Giannis, you know, Giannis is not somebody that generates headlines the way a lot of other players do, and they except just except for his of, like dumb jokes. Yeah, <laughs> but they, they <laughs> just they, they just sort of go about and do their thing. You know what I mean? And they're and they're not. If they were not the defending champions, they they would be a team that would be on people's radar because they've got an MVP caliber player in Giannis. But you know, nobody Milwaukee ain't sexy. No, no offense to the Milwaukeeans <laughs> listening to this show right now. I'm sure some of you are individually sexy. I'm just saying, as a as a city collectively, you are not finger quote sexy. I'm sure. I'm sure would, some of you are drop dead gorgeous. That's not the point. I would say Kane Pittman would take offense, but he's Australian, so I don't know if he <laughs> if he cares about that. Um, all right. Let's play count it up. Rank these teams in order of who you think can beat the Bucks. Let's put the let's put it Bucks versus everybody. Heat, Sixers, Celtics, Bulls, and Nets. I'm gonna leave the Cavs out. Sorry, Cavs, but I'm gonna put the Nets in there to make it more fun. It's my game, and we're we're going with the rules. Who do you have? Who do you have as the team most likely you think can beat the Bucks? Miami. I I like the matchup for Miami. They've got somebody they can put on Giannis. They've got somebody they can put on Middleton. They've got somebody they can put on Holiday. Like enough to make. Though the important Bucks work on both sides of the ball, and they're tough, and they're disciplined, and I, I think they match up really well against Miami, especially if you don't know exactly what's going to be happening with Brooke Lopez. Oh, for sure. Uh, I I think I may go Celtics second on this after this because that that Sixers team I don't I just don't trust in enough. Uh, that's interesting. I went back and forth between Boston and Philly for for number two. I I eventually went with the Sixers ju- as number two, just because my basic thought is I'm not sure what Milwaukee does with Embiid because nobody knows what they do. And then between Maxi and Thibel and Green, like you've got at least different looks that you can throw at their important wing players. But I saw you snuck Celtics Danny is, Green in there. You snuck Danny Green. <laughs> yeah, well, shout out to my boy Dave DeFore. You know, he's he's always looking out for different ways to it's shout true. out he Danny is. Green. He and is. He's my guy. Uh, but <laughs> I saw Dave I, the other day. He's a good dude, man. Dave's good people. Yeah. But I I went back and forth. Like, honestly, if you told me it's Boston and you just did, I'm not really going to argue with you. Then it's Nets-Bulls, right? The next two. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, look, the Nets is like, you know, in it's like a class where you end up getting an incomplete. Like, I don't <laughs> – I don't, I don't know how many games Kyrie is going to be able to play. Yeah. Like I, you know, I don't, I don't know exactly how this is going to work until I know that. And until I know is Ben Simmons playable, how does he fit with these guys? Like they're too difficult to predict. And I, I think Chicago, they're just not there yet, but I think they're going to be a really tough out for whoever they play. 
For sure. All right, let's wrap it through some of the rest of these. The Denver Nuggets get a win, 127 to 129. Jamal Murray is going to start his rehab stint with the Grand Rapids Gold, the G League affiliate for the Nuggets. Denver still gets the win. Jokic is great and scored 29 points on 14 shots, doing incredible things. But right now, the Denver's, Denver's current first-round matchup is the Warriors. Andy, what percentage of the of Jamal Murray do the Nuggets need to beat the Warriors in the first round? Well, let me answer your percentage question, Nick, with a question of my own. <laughs> what percentage of clay do the Warriors have? Or what percentage it, of Draymond for me? I mean, that's a, that sure. may be a bigger question. It, either or. I responded because, to yours with a question. <laughs> the, well, okay. Well, let me see if I can come up with a question <laughs> to your question to my question. But you know what I'm saying? Like, it, Because clay has not been clay. We talked about that earlier right. in the show. He is, he is on either side of the ball. And it's not necessarily unexpected. He missed two full seasons. It's maybe a little depressing just because everybody loves Clay and he's a really fun player to watch. But he has not been that guy. And depending on what's going on with Draymond, that is a massive, massive burden yeah. to put on Steph's shoulders. You know, Andrew Wiggins has been slumping some since the All Star break. He missed this. You like game. what they have. Yeah, you like what they have in their young players, but th those guys are not going to win them, I think, a series against... I mean, look how well Denver has done this year just with Jokic putting everybody on his back. So Jamal I know, Murray he's been chasing the Mavs all year. We've been looking yeah. at him in the rearview mirror. <laughs> so if you put Jamal Murray out there at, I don't know, 60 to 70%. There it is. I, 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 li I like their odds against what we've seen with the Warriors so far. Phoenix Suns get a win 125 to 112 against the Houston Rockets that are kind of just out there just having fun. Seems like this Rockets mm -hmm. team is like throwing alley-oops to themselves and just doing what they do. Uh, Houston had one lead in this game in the third quarter for 26 seconds. <laughs> they, they held a lead, but they did hold a lead in this game at some point. Um, and, and crazy stats for the, for the Phoenix Suns. Torrey Craig... Had 21 points, 14 boards, three assists, two blocks. He was eight for eight from the field, three of three from three, and two of two from the free throw line. Devin Booker, Aiton Bridges, and Torrey Craig combined for 106 of the 129 points. Our Locked On Suns host, Brendan Clean, tweeted that in 11 of the 12 games since the All-Star break, the Suns have had at least four starters in double digits. Andy, Count it up. how far could the Phoenix Suns go without CP3? Let's say he doesn't come back from this hand injury or something else happens and they have to go in the playoffs without him. How far do you think they could go? I think they can go at least a couple rounds. I the the cons They're really good. I mean, they're just, they're really good. They have played together. They're core players for a while. They're really well coached. The concern I would have the further along you get beyond just the competition gets harder is Chris Paul is so important to what makes them a great fourth quarter team. Yeah. Like he's, Chris Paul is, I think statistically, but I would say just also arguably, you know, I test whatever, the most important fourth quarter player in the league. I mean, he he is exceptional mm. in the buckets that he orchestrates and the buckets, the buckets that he gets for himself. I mean, it's, everybody knows he is going to those elbows and nobody can do a thing about it. And nope. it's, I mean, it's predictable. He's been doing it for, for years. So you lose a lot if you don't have CP3 there. But I think they can go at least a couple rounds, which might give him an opportunity to let it really heal up more than, more than he might get if the team wasn't as good as they are without him. 
Yeah, and the West is not that strong. I mean, we just talked about how this Warriors team is kind of hanging on by, you know, whatever their medical staff says. And then you have, like, the Mavericks have issues. The Nuggets are without a bunch of guys. I mean, the Jazz have had their issues this year. It's just not a team that stands out that could really just, oh, there's no chance that the Suns could beat them without Chris Paul. Like, it's, it's it's a team that is really strong all the way across the board. The Toronto Raptors get a close win against the Clippers, 103 to 100. Toronto has now won four, has had four, five or longer game winning streaks this season. That was courtesy of Locked On Raptors, Sean Woodley. Andy, how much are we sleeping on Toronto right now? Because this team seems like a team that, I mean, they won all four or five of these last games on the road. They've beaten teams like, you know, your Lakers, the Clippers. They beat the Suns earlier this week. Um, right now they play Brooklyn in the play-in game and then they play either Miami or Milwaukee in the first round, depending on how that play-in went. Uh, are we, how much are we sleeping on Toronto right now? I mean, Toronto's sort of permanently slept on. They, they were slept on the year that they won the title. Like this is just sort of ha- what happens with them. Um, I, again, like we talked about before, Brooklyn is a really difficult thing to predict because I, I mean, okay. A play-in game. This just hit me. Can Kyrie play at all? He can't play. Like in, he, can't, he can't play in Toronto, so no, he right. wouldn't be able to play in that first one. I mean, if, if Toronto unless, keeps winning like this, right? But in, unless things change in terms of the status with Brooklyn and they and they move up, I don't know if Kyrie can play in that game right. at all. Um, and then you start thinking, let's say Toronto gets through, I think they would have an extremely difficult time against Miami or Milwaukee. I just think those teams are better. Yeah. But I do think Toronto can give either one of them a legitimate series. I, I do think that is possible. I just I don't think they're as good as either one of them. Uh, I think we're sleeping on them a lot because it seems like a lot of teams don't want to play Toronto. Uh, and that team, I mean, they have experience. They have a good coach, Nick Nurse. They have a bunch of wings they can throw around. Like Precious is all of a sudden starting to hit threes. That's pretty massive for that team. OG Ananobi hasn't taken the leap that I hoped that he would. I picked him for most improved before the year. He keeps but- getting hurt. But, yeah, he, he keeps running into things. And then Fred Van Vliet is the all-star for him. Uh, a lot of good things happening in Toronto right now. Uh, some good things are happening for the New York Knicks. They went 128-98 to 98 against the Portland Trailblazers. R.J. Barrett had another 20-point half in this game. Uh, I got this stat from some from a, some Knicks writer on Twitter. I can't remember who it is. Sorry, because my internet's out. I'm going to blame my internet for that. <laughs> um, October From October 2019 through December 2021, RJ Barrett had five 20 point halves since January one of this year. So for the last two and a half months, he's had five 20 point halves. He is just at an absolute tear right now. Manuel quickly had 18 points on five field goal attempts. <laughs> Kevin Shaw locked on Nick said it was the most efficient 18 point game in Nick's history, <laughs> which is kind of wild. Um, but that's not the story I want to focus on. Uh, that's not the story I want to focus on. The Knicks are expected to keep Tom Thibodeau, Going in, going into next season, Andy, count it, up. count it up. Is this move patience from the Knicks, or is it more of a mistake? I mean, first of all, how do you, how do you uh, get rid of that voice of a nightingale? I mean, who who wouldn't want to be hearing that guy in their ear? Coral, <laughs> Coral, <laughs> oh my ice. I could never be coached by him. Oh <laughs> man, that's so awful. That's why Julius Randle's oh. year is out. He's just like, man, I just can't stop hearing this guy. Well, I mean, look. <laughs> It happens with Tibbs, man. Tibbs wears on guys. Like unless unless you're, I guess, Taj Gibson or Derrick Rose. Yeah, those he, <laughs> he wears on everybody. 
I don't I don't think it's a great move. I Tibbs to me feels like a guy who needs to be with a ready-made roster. And I don't mean that like he's not a good coach. I just don't think he is from a personality standpoint, somebody who is really a builder. I think he's best when he's got guys who know exactly what they're doing and you know what you have, and then he can look to maximize it. And this is, you know, this is a team that I can't imagine they know what the hell they have because they're all over the place. And, yeah. you know, like the like the Hawks we talked about earlier, they took a pretty big step backwards. So he doesn't strike me as an optimal fit, but what do I know? <laughs> it is what it is up there. I, I think it's they're tr- they're trying to do the right thing. Like, okay, maybe this year is the outlier, right? Maybe last year wasn't the outlier. and We could be more that team next year. And get back to what we were doing. And let's at least try and not do the Knicks thing where we just, all right, let's just can the next guy that fails, right? And just keep moving on. They're trying for some continuity. So I kind of get it, but I do think it's more of a mistake. Uh, if you listen to Gavin Shaw and Alex Wolf of Locked On Knicks, they were done with Tibbs like, I don't know, I think like two months ago. <laughs> they were, they yeah. were just done with him. Man, he wears on people. He just does. Even fans. Last game in the association, the Oklahoma City Thunder win 100, or the the, uh, the Spurs win against the Oklahoma City Thunder 122 to 120. DeJounte Murray, he's just doing next level stuff right now for the, for the Spurs, Andy. He's an underrated player, like in the sense that he's an all-star, but I don't know how many fans are really aware of how good he is on both sides of the ball because he plays for a small market team that is right now, don't get angry Spurs fans, not that relevant, <laughs> but He's averaging 21, 8, and 9 with two steals, fewer than three turnovers a game. That is really, really good. Really, really good. And it, he he's, he's always had to add that outside shot, right? And it's just yeah. something we've always said. And it's kind of the same thing you said about Kawhi Leonard too, right? And the Spurs got him to add that shot. So it's not out of the question that he could add that at some point. He's 25 right now, still growing. And he took a big leap from last year to this year. And it uh, doesn't mean he can't take another big leap after next year. Uh, my quick count it, count it up question is going forward. Do you think he's a number one or a number two on a team? Do you think the Spurs still need to find the one guy to build around or is this it? It's hard to say for sure because you've never seen him with really good enough teammates to truly make that judgment. But I'll say this much. He is definitely good enough to be one of your cornerstone players whether you consider him the one or the two, he's definitely in that category. And that in and of itself is really, really hard to find. Like I think, I think sometimes fans and and media too underrate how hard it is to be the quality number two guy. Hell, to be the quality number three guy, you're still really, really good. Oh yeah. And it wasn't that long ago that we were thinking that Kelden Johnson was like the most promising young player that was like the team USA guy that you know, seemed mm-hmm. to be this guy with all this potential, and now it's DeJounte Murray just completely overshadowed him this season for the Spurs. Yeah, he's a really, really good young player. Like like a lot of good players lately, carved up the Lakers. <laughs> Is that the litmus test now? <laughs> it's like if you well, no, that that's well, it's more the litmus test of did you show up to the game? <laughs> yeah, all right. There you go. Thanks for making Locked On NBA your first listen every day. We will be back tomorrow, and uh, Adam and uh, Wes will be back. Two A names. Uh, now make your second listen locked on Mavs or locked on Lakers. You want to hear what's going on with Luca? You want to hear what's going on with LeBron? 
Check it out. Locked on experts covering the biggest stories around the NBA. We do it Monday through Friday in 30 minutes. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Andy, thanks so much for joining me. Absolutely, man. Peace out. Boom. Boom.